Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hi, it's uh, raining outside, and that's fine. I love a rainy day during the week. Actually, it just stopped. It looked like no umbrellas out there. Lots of cars, the United Nations. Joe Biden, uh, he did not humiliate himself yesterday, but it wasn't. Uh, it didn't do us proud, of course. Hey, I um, was running around New York today. Oh, I actually went for a run. Not far. 1.5 miles, baby. About 16, 17 minutes. I know. Not very far, not very fast, but whatever. And in my uh, travels, I uh, noticed the smell of marijuana (laughs) during the entire 1.5-mile loop. There I am exercising, and I smell marijuana almost every step of the way. And uh, I really was like, okay, who the hell's smoking this stuff? And guess who it was? A group of construction workers. They all had their hard hats on and their, you know, their yellow vests. Not for the first time, by the way. I've seen a bunch of construction workers smoking weed. Now, it was uh, at about 8.45 this morning. That's not a good thing, is it? Last night, I saw, uh, at walking home, a security guard smoking a big old, they don't call them joints anymore. I think they call them blunts. Is that it? A blunt? I mean, the thing was, it was like the size of a cigar almost. And it was a woman, a female security guard. She had a big shirt. It said security on the back. She said, you know, little security in the name of the company on the front. Looks like she was on her dinner break, just walking around, getting high. Uh, And then this morning on, I'm going around the dial and I get to Fox and Friends. And I like, uh, I like it to a point. Nice people on that show. And Steve Ducey's very talented broadcaster, by the way. Little things he does. He actually knows what he's doing in terms of the art of television. Very, very good at it. Uh, but, here comes the but. Uh, and I used to do this too, by the way. I don't anymore with very good reason. What's he doing at 8 in the morning? Serving beer to the good people of the villages, a community down in Florida. The, the bar is open, and they're serving beer to everybody. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun at 8 in the morning, drinking beer? Ha <laughs> ha, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? So they're drinking beer. And uh, the sad part is, to me, uh, it was a huge crowd of people. I think Steve was selling a cookbook, but the uh, sad part to me is I know, I know for a fact that there are people who are drinking at 8 o'clock in the morning at the villages in Florida who are still drinking at one oh nine in the afternoon. They're still drinking. At least somebody in that crowd is still drinking. Maybe more. You start at 8 in the morning. You know, this used to be the crap that um, uh, the Today Show did. Remember that? We yeah, Wines Day. Hoda and Kathy Lee, right? They started it, and then it was Hoda and Jenna, and then the whole damn crew. It's really big before the pandemic. They toned down on it, in part because I called them out on it. 
But folks, uh, the, the 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 construction workers drinking that really got my attention. I mean, they are the heart and soul of America, right? The hard hats. They are so representative of who we are, what we do, just their their mentality, their work ethic, everything about those construction workers. You know, they are the heart and soul of America in so many ways, right? The way they go, so goes the country. Probably no group more in support of Donald Trump than the construction workers, 70, 80 percent of them. And there they are at a quarter to nine on a weekday morning smoking weed. And this wasn't extraordinary. They weren't, uh, well, they certainly weren't hiding it. They're just going with the flow like everybody else. This is not what a superpower does. This is not what the citizens of a superpower nation do, getting high in the morning. You know, it's one thing for Friday night. If you really want to blow your uh, personal life, you want to work for the man all week long, and then blow whatever opportunity you have to get ahead on Friday and Saturday, and that's what a lot of us did, do, I did for a long time, great. Well, not so great, but at least you're doing it on your time. Uh, But now it's happening in the morning. This is what they do in Russia. This is one of the many reasons why Russia is getting its ass kicked by Ukraine, because the drinking culture over there has been out of control for a long time. Look it up. It's one of the many reasons why Russia still crashes ordinary airliners going from Moscow to St. Petersburg. It's like a a one in a thousand chance that you're not going to make it there because the pilot is drunk or like mishaps that we have cleaned up. They're coming back. We're getting sloppy, sloppy as a country. And uh, you want inspiration. If you don't want to take it from me, take it from Trump. Take it from Trump. You think he'd be president if he if he drank? <laughs> Would he have made it to where he is? No, he'd be dead. You can look at a, Hey, do we have this from the morning on the Fox and Friends show? Yeah, they're partying their asses off at 8 in the morning. Go ahead. juice already so now we are at the villages here you go buddy oh thank you very much that's right i was hoping for a cash tip but thank you very much it's the marine corps i will wear that proudly okay all right who's ready it's eight o'clock Woo! ainsley and brian i have id'd everybody here and they are over 18 and of course as i have heard at the villages Every, you know, every hour is happy hour here. So, ladies, here you, thank you go. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. much. How about, oh, everybody hold up your, your beers. Oh, this guy over here. How about, uh, and by the way, I know you're counting calories. This is ultra. There you go. How about a salute to Ainsley and Brian? Oh, man. Yeah, Ainsley right. and Brian. Who are cheers, cheers. Here. Everything's funny. Everything's, uh, everything's interesting when you're drunk, when you're getting buzzed. Um... You know, a country that is suffering uh, an opioid epidemic, right? People dying. The life expectancy in America is going down. Look, I speak from experience, okay? And I I speak from specifically, I was one of those guys who would drink on TV every now and then. Hey, what the hell? It's 5 o'clock somewhere, and we're meeting this merchant from such and such bar who has a signature cocktail. Uh, We'll learn how to make it, and then I would just retire off to the office with the bottle. Uh, Yeah, I I, I did that. It leads to nowhere. It leads to destruction. And uh, thank God I stopped doing that totally. But 
our culture. Fox and Friends, huh? Fox News, just drink it up at 8 in the morning because you want to sell a book? What is it? I, I Look, it, this is not what superpower people do, all right? Superpower nations, superpower people. Uh, you can look it up. <laughs> there are more alcoholics in Russia than anywhere else. We are increasing our number here. Every kid seems to be smoking weed or on pills or whatever. A lot of adults, too. And, um, well, this is one thing, one big thing. If you're doing it, if you make the change like I did, and I don't know if I can say I did it. You know, I don't know if it was me. It was an act of God. It really was. It was just like, because I had tried. I had tried a couple of times. All right, I'm not going to, I'm only going to drink two, or I'm only going to drink on weekends, or I'm only, whatever. Nothing worked. But then... I don't know. It just, it just worked. It just happened. I think it was really beyond me. It was a, uh, what the heck happened? It was my the night before my wedding, and I would love to be able to say I was at a crazy raucous bachelor party, uh, but I wasn't. <laughs> I was. It was just me and uh, my immediate family, and then it was just me, and I was like drinking and drinking and drinking, and I just felt so awful the next day. Up until about an hour before the wedding. Then I finally felt normal. And when I see this stuff uh, celebrated on TV and elsewhere, uh, it bothers me. It bothers me, and the example it sets is really a bad one. And also for the people who work there, quite frankly. There's beer flowing around. Uh, all right, enough of that. Uh, don't worry about Donald Trump. He's going to be great. This lawsuit is a great big giant fraud. I hope you saw my show last night. It was so fascinating to me. Look, when it comes to alleged financial crimes, real estate, I'm like, I can't. I don't know about finance. I really don't. I've never worked there. They start talking about puts and outs and ins and quarterly earnings and derivatives. And uh, I I don't know what the hell is going on. I mean, I can. Yeah, the S&P is up. I can follow that. But when it gets a little bit more complicated, I got to call my broker. I got to call somebody who really knows. But when it comes to physical assets, buildings, houses, I actually, believe it or not, I have a bit of an innate feel for that stuff. And more than innate, if I see a building that I like, and I've been doing this for at least 10 years, uh, as long as you've been able to Google something in your phone, I'm just fascinated by the age of buildings. I always want to know any building I'm in, how old it is. For instance, the building I'm sitting in right now was built in 1972. The other building where I work was built, opened in 1982. Um 82, the first one in 72. I just, I don't know. And I like to think, okay, when I was in eighth grade, this office was here. Isn't that interesting? I don't know what it is. I just like doing that. And I then I started to do I, every structure. I see a thing on the side of the road. I can guess how old it is, and I can often guess its worth. And I like to uh, check myself by looking at Zillow, Google, whatever. And I'm right basically all the time. I am almost always right. And if I'm wrong, I'm off only a year or two, and I'm off only very close in terms of money. So when I heard, oh, and I love our architecture, I love our skyline. Since I was a little kid, my dad bringing me to the Empire State Building, one of the greatest outings, father-son outings ever. We took the Long Island Railroad in, just the two of us. I got to go up on the observation deck. Of course I did. What else are you going to do with the Empire State Building and Anyway, I was fascinated by it. And then get to see the World Trade Center, and I brought a little plastic model home. And then the City Core building, I was so intrigued by that, the slant on top and the stilts and, and on and on and on. This is a – I have an amateur's appreciation for architecture. So when Letitia James, total nitwit, by the way, comes out and says that 40 Wall Street 
Now, I know 40 Wall Street. I used to live in the neighborhood. 40 Wall Street is an iconic building. It's, um, oh, I think I told you yesterday, I first noticed it as a kid when I was in the Chase Manhattan building. Right across the way, there's something, it was almost, I felt like the building was alive, okay? I felt like it was living and breathing. And let's see here. Here's Letitia James. She thinks she knows how much that building is worth. Listen to this. Everything she says is wrong, all right, in terms of her estimation. Cut 36. They received a series of bank-ordered appraisals for the commercial property at 40 Wall Street in New York City that calculated the value of the property at $200 million as of August 2010 and $220 million as of November 2012. Yet... In his 2011 statement, Mr. Trump listed 40 Wall Street with a value of $524 million, which increased to $530 million over the next two years, more than twice the value calculated by the professionals. Even more egregious, the $500 million-plus valuation was attributed to information from the appraiser who valued the building at just over $200 million. She doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. That and or she's lying or her staff is as clueless as she is. There's a lot of things that could be going on here. But the moment I heard that 40 Wall Street in 2011 (laughs) allegedly worth just $200 million, are you insane do you know what was happening in New York State Realty, New York City Realty in 2011? Number one, we had come back from the slump, the 2008, right? We had big time. I've looked it up. All kinds of properties were selling for what we call, I think they call this the comps, the comparables, okay? 230 Park Avenue sold for $530 million in Manhattan. Uh, 340 Madison Avenue sold for $575 million. And there are some buildings that sold right around this time, a bit bigger than 40 uh, Wall Street. But for billions of dollars, the Google building sold for $2.7 billion in 2010. 666 Fifth Avenue and on and on and on like this. $200 million. If you if you put the Trump name on it, oh, by the way, that enhances the value. There's a million things. She's just an idiot politician has done nothing other than set up a phony podium on the sidewalk and say, look at me, all of her life. Uh, A joke. She should be embarrassed. Uh, Her staff should be ashamed. And Donald Trump should be proud as hell. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, man, Aaron Judge is going to do it, right? Aaron Judge, New York Yankee. He walked in this room. I wouldn't recognize him, but uh, that's the way it works now. Uh, Aaron Judge, how many homers does he have? 60? Uh, 61 is Roger Maris, right? Hey, the only problem is there are like seven guys who have more than Roger Maris and and Babe Ruth. I'm not a big baseball fan. I lost uh, all interest. I told you that story a million times, but I remember in the 90s, Mark McGuire, he got like 80 or something like that, 70, Sammy Sosa, how many more guys does Aaron Judge uh, – how many guys are in front of Aaron Judge right now? Kevin, you know? Uh, I'm not uh, sp- certain uh, the exact number, um, but I do know that Roger Maris is being uh, 
pinpointed his record just because. Well, it's not a really a record anymore, right? Well, it's being it's being focused on because the other people who have oh they uh, juiced it. Well, well, yeah, that's that's the 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 idea here is that they use juice to get to those numbers. So there's a little asterisk over the records of people like Barry Bonds that he said. So what happens? How many games are left? It's already I mean, the season's over. Probably what? When they've got two weeks left of regular season play. Oh well, probably probably. And what's the ultimate number to beat everybody? In terms of, for Aaron Judge, yeah. Um, well, Barry Bonds hit, I believe, seventy one, seventy two. He ain't gonna get that. No, probably. he's not. No. no, it's too bad. Well, anyway, congratulations to Aaron Judge. It's kind of exciting. I do remember, uh, for some reason, when Roger Maris died. Could you look that up for me? It was it was sometime between nineteen eighty five and nineteen eighty nine, right? Uh, Roger Maris. I remember he died here in 1985. I just remember that well. Why do I remember that so much? Oh, because I went to go see my father promoted at one police plaza, and he was promoted to, hmm, I think it was inspector, full inspector. And I was very excited to meet Ben Ward, the police commissioner again, but he had to leave to go to Roger Maris's funeral. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Anyway, um, I know that's kind of random. In the meantime, uh, anything else we want to say about the uh, the lawsuit? Uh, it's it, it is kind of phony baloney. Don't worry about it. Here they go again. I thought uh, I did have to peek at Fox to watch Trump on uh, on Hannity. Did you guys make any? Um, do we have anything on that? He was terrific. He's uh, no. What? Where is? All right. Let me hear. Uh, let me hear Trump on uh, Hannity, please. Sir, the FBI just came in. I said, "What? The FBI? Who?" And they go, "The FBI." And I said. How many people? Many, many people, sir. Many, many people. And I couldn't believe it. And they wanted to do it quietly, silently. And I said, what do you mean silent? They're not silent because I watched the way they were so horrible to so many people that you know and that I know that are good people where they just attacked them in the house. And they wanted to do it quietly. And by four o'clock in the afternoon, we started getting little strange calls like, from a group called The Media, if you've ever heard of them. And they said, something strange is happening at Mar-a-Lago. All right, I heard him tell this story before. Let me hear him on uh, Letitia James. What did he say about that to Hannity last night? Cut 19. I mean, you look at this asset. She has this down at $75 million. I can tell you, it's many times that number. She said, oh, he valued it at 75 or whatever it was, or she valued it at 75. What does Letitia James know? But if I were going, I don't have a mortgage on this property. If I was going to put a mortgage on this property, the institutions are going to be coming over. They're going to go through comparable properties all over Palm Beach or whatever it is, wherever it may be, Miami. We have them all over. We have tremendous properties. And again, we have very little debt. The debt we did have, it was it was paid current. The banks made a lot of money. She's trying to defend banks that got paid off. She's trying to defend banks that had unbelievable legal talent. I will tell you that. They're very good. Yeah. Tish James embarrassed herself. Now, I keep hearing that one of the reasons why she did this is because she's worried about the guy running against her. There's a guy named Michael Henry. Uh, I don't know anything about Michael Henry other than this. I'm not impressed. Michael Henry should be all over the place exploiting the hell out of this because Letitia James is showing herself to be a bit of a joke. Um, again, now I went on Michael Henry. Michael Henry is officially the Republican nominee, right? 
All right. So I go to his website because I'd like to know where the hell the uh, prospective attorney general went to law school. They don't mention that. His whole thing is written like a like a bazooka comic book, a bazooka comic strip. It's all like niceties and nothing specific. And he's a bit of a high maintenance guy, too. Very high maintenance and weird. So who the hell knows what's going on with that? We have a real opportunity here. Michael Henry, and I disagree with President Trump about this because he says, oh, he's a fine man. I don't know about that. I, I just don't know. This guy seems to me like a a guy who has ulterior motives. But who knows? I could be wrong. Michael Henry, the mystery man, the mystery candidate for attorney general. Boy, it must be nice to just quit your day job and run around the state giving uh, speeches to the PTA and to the Commerce Department at the uh, in Oswego, right? What, what is he hiding from something? More important responsibilities, the day-to-day stuff that we have to do in life? He gets to run around. I'm going to be the next AG. Are you? Nobody knows who you are, pal. The only thing I've seen this guy do is get on Twitter and say, why don't you guys give me a, a check mark? I want a check mark. What the hell is a check mark? What do you care from check marks? How about tweeting interesting stuff, compelling material? about yourself, about your opponent, instead of complaining and whining about your lack of status. That's what I think Michael Henry is in it for. Boy, you're almost as bad as she is. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. White-collar financial crime is not a victimless crime. When the well-connected break the law, to take in more money that they are entitled to. It reduces resources to working people, to regular people, to small businesses, and to tax and all taxpayers. Everyday people cannot lie to a bank about how much money they have in order to get a favorable loan to buy a home or to send their kid to college. And if they did, the government would throw the book at them. Uh, maybe an overzealous, incompetent prosecutor would, like you, Letitia James. You know, she talks about regular people, regular people. You know who are regular people? The Trumps, actually, when you compare them to Letitia James. Regular people. Regular people don't work in government, right? Most people don't. Regular people don't work in government. The Trumps did not work in government. One of them did in 2017. Actually, two of them, I guess, Ivanka as well. Two. And his son-in-law. Three. But Trump in the most significant way. When he was in his 70s. Now, uh, Letitia James has been in government setting up that phony uh, podium on sidewalks ever since she was 23. Right? Working for the state assembly. uh, Then uh, begs, borrows, and claws her way to the city council. Who the hell would ever want to be a member of the city council? And then gets another no-show job, public advocate. And then, although no significant uh, law enforcement credentials, none, actually, zero, becomes attorney general of the state of New York. Throw the book at them. Throw the book at them. You can tell the bank anything you want. The bank checks. Who uh, watched that? It's the one series I watched uh, last summer. What was it called? Uh, 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 Finding Anna or Being Anna. The girl who changed her identity pretended that she was some rich socialite from Europe, but it turned out she had no money. 
but she told everybody she did, including the bank. She wanted a loan to buy a $17 million building. She's like, yes, I am Anna. I am a princess. Of course you will give me the money. They're like, of course, uh, your highness. Yes, yes, yes. As soon as we uh, do our due diligence and make sure that all of this stuff checks out. And uh, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. All right? It did not. And that's what you're supposed to do. That's what banks do. Throw the book at them. You got it wrong. Now, it would be really good if we had a guy uh, or girl who could take this Letitia James out. I don't think we have one. Uh, So total amateur, Michael Henry, is that his name? Michael Henry? He's the Republican nominee. It's not like he got to run for a primary because our New York state system is so screwed up. Um, Let's see here. You want to learn about Michael Henry? I went to his website. Let's learn about Michael. Okay. Are you ready? All right. This is it. According to Michael Henry. Here we go. The first member of his family to go to college. Congratulations. Michael Henry is a New York-based attorney hmm, whose practice focuses primarily on commercial litigation. Michael is admitted to practice in the state of New York, Eastern District of New York, Southern District of New York, United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, and has represented numerous asylum seekers from China before the Executive Office of Immigration Review. In law school, Michael was a judicial intern for the Honorable Judge Krieger of Suffolk County. And that's it. Uh, Oh, wait a second. There's a little tab here that says learn more. Okay, there's more about Michael. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Okay, there there is more. Michael Henry is the son of a retired Mount Vernon. Didn't we go over this? (laughs) He's the son of two people. Congratulations. He knows that hard work leads to accomplishment. How about working hard on your freaking resume? This opportunity is eroding in New York because of a crime crisis that's crippling every part of the state. Yeah, are you the guy to fix it? I don't think so. Every single day, victim-generating law. This is supposed to be about you, by the way, but whatever. Victim-generating law means working-class people fear the streets. He decided to use his hard-earned experience to save our state and run for attorney general. Oh, wow. That guy, he's going to save our state? Well, after all, he was a judicial intern for Judge Creek, Creek, some judge. Um, By the way, intern? I thought you were supposed to be a clerk for the judges, right? The clerk. That's what what you're supposed to be for a judge, a clerk, when you help them write opinions, stuff like that. I don't know. Oh, wait a second. He is dedicated to fighting crime, corruption, and rising cost of living in New York. Well, hey, dedication. We need some more of that, I guess, right? Michael is an experienced attorney who owns a New York City-based boutique law firm. What the hell is a boutique law firm? I think that means it's just him, which specializes in commercial litigation, creditor bankruptcy, and PACA trust. I don't know what that is. His work has successfully recovered millions of dollars in assets for clients ranging from billion-dollar banks to small business owners. In federal, this is about Michael Henry, the guy who wants to be our attorney general. And you know what frustrates me? We got a real chance to take it back, and we've got an amateur, another amateur, another statewide amateur, passing time. In federal court, he works with clients pursuing the statutory provisions of the Perishable Agriculture Culture Commodities Act. That's that PACA thing I was telling you about, huh? 
Michael most recently set a court precedent in the Eastern District of New York where a judge issued a slip opinion in response to the court's agree- what's a slip opinion in response to the court's agreement with Michael's memorandum of law defining the court's jurisdiction. Wow, this is really sensational stuff. Michael is admitted to practice he's repeating himself now. He's admitted in this district, that district, that court of appeals, that circuit. Uh, okay, now educational credentials. I don't care if you went to uh, upstate. I don't care where you went to law school. I want to know. In law school, Michael was a judicial intern for the Honorable Judge John M. Krieger. Suffolk County's. he repeats this whole thing. Michael has been published in the New York Law Journal, a state of Bryce Edward Lambert New York Law Journal. Oh, my gosh. Ten years ago, he had an article published in the New York Law Journal. Michael has appeared as both a legal and political analyst on local and national television. Hmm. Impressive. Dial a lawyer. He's authored columns on a variety of topics. Prior to practicing law, Michael was employed in the mortgage industry, gaining significant management experience. He managed millions of dollars of loans, employees, branch offices, and handled regulatory. This is obviously resume padding, right? This is all resume padding. He won't even tell us where he, where the hell he went to college, school. I'm not an elitist. I'm not a snob. I don't care if he went to Nassau Community College. Do they have a law school? I, I Just tell me something about yourself. Let's see here. Michael spent his time abroad. Why wouldn't he tell us what kind? He, he, he tells us he went overseas, but won't say what country. I think Michael Henry is a bit of a delusional snob. Michael spent time abroad while earning his M.A. in international relations with an additional graduate certification in international law and diplomacy. That's interesting. From where? Doesn't say. He's been a member of the Federalist Society since law school. Michael is also a member of multiple Italian-American lawyers associations. All right. How many many Italian-American lawyer associations are there? And wouldn't one fit all of your needs? Just, you see, this is what happens. I don't know. Our state is so broken. The Republicans are, Lee Zeldin, you got to vote for him. Forget about all Lee Zeldin, he's competent. He is accomplished. Iraq War veteran. He actually, on his website, mentions what law school he went to. I can't remember. (laughs) I think it might have been Cardozo, but I'm not sure. But it's there. I actually went once. Wait, do you know something? Does she know? Why is she making faces at me again? Everybody does this around here. Like I'm doing something like I'm out of line. I don't think so. Carmine, hello. Welcome back. You're in Long Island. Are you the guy who sent me the book? I sent you a new one, Greg. All right, hold on, hold on. I think I might have it right here. Did you send it in black, uh, in a black envelope? It was in a bigger one, and then inside it was in the black envelope. Well... Uh, let me just see if this is it, because there's no return address on it. Hold on. Oh, gosh. All right, hold on. So was it bubble-wrapped? Go ahead. Yep, this is it. I think so. What's it, what's it say? Uh, let's see. It's pro- Proverbs and Prayers. Praying oh. the wisdom of Proverbs into your life every day. Um, and there's a little note from you. I'm the caller who shared my testimony and told you to pray 
um, oh, pay the intern's ticket. Oh, yeah, I didn't do that. You can pray all you want on that one. I did not pray. <laughs> you, we already talked about that. Is this the book? Are you the guy? I'm the guy, and I have, I have my own copy in, in my hand right now. So what you do is you go to September 22nd, okay, and then you read the proverb of the day. Wait a second. This then, book this book is only 131 pages long. I don't think it's a – there's not a prayer for every day, is there? No, Greg, it's a devotional. You do – you read a – see, there's 31 proverbs, just like there's 31 days in most months. Oh, I so see. You go, so you go to page 85, 85, and you read chapter 22, and it says, verse 1, a good name is to be chosen rather, rather than, than great, great riches, riches loving favor loving rather favor. than silver and gold. And then I add in my own handwriting, in houses and possessions – so then you read all of that. Listen, it's a very quick reading, Greg. No, you no, no, listen. One... Dude, I love this. Thank you for doing it. And I know you, you you made an impression the last time you called. You said something. You said, gosh, Greg, if you're missing this book, what else are you missing? And I don't know if you intended to say it that way, but it was a very interesting thing to say, and the way you said it really was uh, powerful. So thank you so much, buddy. Now I've got your uh, all your information here. Beautiful gift. What could be, what could be more precious? Wow. Pro- Proverbs, prayers. Praying the wisdom of Proverbs into your life every day. Very beautiful. I so appreciate this, pal. I knew you would. And put it next to your Charles, you know, your Charles Stanley Study Bible, okay? And, and make it, and then you read the next page on page 87. It's a summary of what you just read. And that's a very quick reading. You do it, it's, it's a five minute. Hey, I got time. Over. I got time. I'm not trying to rush, but I, I, I know what you mean, though. The day sometimes does get out of control pretty quick. It's very important for me, especially, to have a routine. A routine, a routine, a routine, the same thing every day. It helps. It helps a lot. Jordan Peterson has been pushing that. Carmine, all is well with you otherwise? Well, listen, you know I'm a title closer. I just found out some shocking, shocking news. Suffolk County Clerk's Office is totally shut down. It's been it's – been, uh, it was – a victim of an account of a cyber attack, Greg, by ransomware. For two weeks, you cannot conduct business. Police officers cannot run uh, license plates of people they pull over. Title examiners cannot. All right, all right. Well, uh, all right. Everybody who needs to know about that knows about it, though, right? This no, nobody's covering it. I well, I mean, it's the Suffolk County title. What? Suffolk County Clerk's Office. Uh, an attorney cannot get an index number. You cannot. All right, all right. We're gonna relax, though. We're gonna, we're gonna. I mean, you know. I mean, look. Uh, did you hear what Putin said yesterday about nuclear war? <laughs> I mean, I, I know that's true. I mean, come on. Hey, can I get your take on something, uh, Letitia James? Uh, you know, she's a uh, harassing Donald Trump. And uh, let's see here. Where is something really dumb that she said that I want you to hear this? Uh, Ah, yeah. Cut 37, please. Cut 37. Listen close. Mr. Trump also blatantly ignored legal restrictions at Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago was valued on the false premise that it sat on unrestricted property and could be developed for residential use. However, Mr. Trump knew that Mar-a-Lago was subject to a host of onerous restrictions and limitations. Mr. Trump himself signed deeds sharply restricting changes to the property and donating his residential development rights in an effort to get a tax deduction and later to lower his property taxes on the property. The deeds also require Mr. Trump to donate over 23% of Mar-a-Lago's value to the Historic Trust for Historic Preservation if he ever sold it. 
Hey, listen, Carmine, uh, can we go to a break right now? Here's what I got to do. I got to jump off the air because Joe Biden's about to go outside, right right outside, and I got a message for him, okay? So uh, I'll, 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 uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial. I'm going to go outside and say hi to Joe Biden in my own unique Greg Kelly way. It'll have something to do with Brandon. Thank you. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Hey, listen, I'm about to get onto an elevator. It's going to be a little bit bumpy. Uh, what we're trying to do is Joe Biden is about to drive by my my office, and I can't let this up. It's so hot because of a volcano in some, uh, some country called Tonga, T-O-N-G-A. There was a volcano there. I knew this heat felt different. It's not global warming. It's not climate change. It's that damn volcano. And this isn't from uh, the New York Times. This is from NASA, the National Air and Space uh, Administration. I hope <laughs> National Aeronautics Space Administration. Yeah, I'm sure it's something like that. Yeah, this is an impressive kind of weird heat. It's been I've hot and humidity. We know it. We know what it's like. This one's different. There's a heaviness. There's a staleness almost in the air. Anyway, just heard this morning that NASA is saying they're blaming it on a volcano that's been going like crazy for uh, for months and months and months turned out something like 50 what do they say 50,000 olympic swimming pools full of uh uh, uh lava <laughs> okay let's just call it lava all kinds of stuff that should not be in the air that's what's happening that's why it feels uh even grosser than normal uh august dog days of summer all that kind of stuff i never used to mind them at all i never even really noticed them Till this time, and I knew there was something different. Thank you, NASA. They figured that. Most people can relate to this. Um, tell me if this works for you guys, for everybody. I think I've been. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. No. If you are a boss, or if you work for a boss, maybe you've seen this, maybe you've participated in this, but have you ever had somebody, seen somebody who worked at a company, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, Maybe it was a long time coming. Maybe it was uh, maybe just overnight something flipped, but they decided they didn't like somebody. They did not. There was an employee at an organization, and they decided this guy's got to go. And um, what do you do? You follow them around, and you try to catch them making a mistake, right, often. And then maybe it's not a big mistake. It's a bunch of little ones. You start documenting everything the person does wrong, right? Every time they show up late, you write it up, okay? Third time, then we give them a verbal warning. Then we give them a written warning. Then, okay, you set all those things in motion. Now, what did they do wrong? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, for whatever reason, the boss said, we don't want this person around anymore. Find a justification to get rid of them. Happens all the time, okay? Everyone's covering their ass, right? So you document it all. Yeah, especially these days, all right? It's very difficult to fire somebody. You got to document it. You got to. I kind of think that that's really kind of what happened to Trump when he got, when he became president. You think that he's the boss of the country? He's the boss of the government? No, not really. He's an employee. In many ways, an employee without the protections that so many other people have when they work for the government. Great big target on his back. You ever see the manuals, the rule books in the government? I don't know what the hell that was. What a bust. What a bust. Shoot. 
I missed Joe Biden by 30 seconds, and I had my great big Let's Go Brandon poster all ready for him. I stayed up all... Well, I <laughs> I threw it together in about a minute, but I had a great big Let's Go Brandon, and then I... I'm, you got to admit, I don't know who was with me, but I got to the front of that crowd in about six seconds. Usually, it would have taken maybe three minutes to navigate that that crowd. Excuse me, can I go past, please? Excuse me. It would have been three minutes of that. I did it in about six seconds. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, and boom, I was right there in the front. The cop got all nervous. He's like, wait a second, stop right there. I was like, okay. But I was in the very front row. Hey, I'll give this to the cop. They saw my great big uh, Brandon thing. They knew I was not going to be uh, blowing Joe Biden kisses. (laughs) Anyway, Arguably, it's beneath me. Argue, argue. One would argue that. (laughs) But I just can't. I just can't. You know what? And I think I would have been, maybe I would have just said, go to the border. Where's Hunter? What else? What else? What else? Uh, Maybe I would have said the big guy. Ooh, that would have been good. Hello, Mr. Big. He's the big guy. I got to admit, until you guys said he was coming, I thought I didn't even know he was still here. What's he doing in New York? He made the big speech yesterday. Oh, don't tell me he sticks around for, uh, what do they call them, bilats? <laughs> Bi- bilateral meetings? Two, the heads of two countries get together and they sit and they talk. Or, well, they talk. Joe Joe sits. Uh, did you see my show last night on Newsmax? I showed you how, uh, let me see. Do I have him right here? Joe Biden as uh, can't hold his own in front of Vladimir Putin. But every single president we've ever had who gets to see Putin uh, knows how to handle him. I mean, they're not afraid to speak. Uh, Bill Clinton uh, spoke in front of the TV cameras with Putin, and Putin spoke to him with the TV cameras president. Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Obama, Trump. It being Trump, everybody lost their minds about what he said, but at least he was confident enough in himself to speak in front of Putin. We don't have that with Joe Biden. Everybody's nervous. Oh, what's he going to say? So he just kept his mouth shut for the photo op with uh, with Vladimir Putin. Hey, the other thing in his speech, I do want to point out, what what is this about? This, where does Joe Biden get off telling the world what to do when it comes to taxes? Cut 33, please. 33. With partners in the Americas, Africa, Europe, and the Middle East, and the Indo-Pacific, we're working to build a new economic ecosystem. Uh, where every nation, every nation gets a fair shot and economic growth is resilient, sustainable, and shared. That's why the United States has championed a global minimum tax, and we will work to see it implemented so major corporations pay their fair share everywhere, everywhere. It is just kind of heartbreaking to think a small-time bit politician like this guy from two-bit politician from Delaware, gets himself elected essentially county commissioner, you know, because Delaware was smaller than a lot of counties in the United States. Uh, Some fluke. He won at 29. And you could look up the statistics. At 29, he became a likely president someday. Knew nothing about how things work, the real world, nothing. All he had to offer was a a mediocre stint as a small-time lawyer, and um, nothing else. No academic credentials to speak of. Nothing. Nothing. Just a big smile, an empty brain, a handshake. Uh, guy likes to raise money and ask for favors. 
And now he's telling uh, Uganda how they should run their country. I, I just can't get over that. Yes, America, we've got a lot of prestige. We've got a lot of power. And we should have a powerful, prestigious person in charge. All right, fair enough. Pretty fair. All right, give me a moment. Your calls in a little bit. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. What a... Uh, Joe Biden, he didn't see my Brandon sign. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's okay. It's okay. Would have been fun, uh, but that's all right. Oh, well, let's see here. Okay, wait a second. Now, you heard me give my take on the New York State Attorney General's race because, let's face it, we got a great big fat idiot. Uh, I don't mean literally fat. I mean fat in the head, but, well, I don't know. I don't know what she's built like. I've never really taken a good close look. Oh, wait, is Carmine still on the phone? Because I want to get this. I wanted to get his take on this. Letitia James, uh, cut thirty-eight, please. Letitia James is running for re-election. Very desperate. Very foolish. She says her entire investigation came about because of Michael Cohen. Remember that guy, Michael Cohen. Cut thirty-nine. Michael Cohen. Mr. Cohen, you called Donald Trump a cheat in your opening testimony. Uh, what would you call yourself? A fool, a fool, a fool. So uh, Letitia James relied on that guy for her great big case against Trump. The latest phony baloney case against Trump. Cut 38. I will remind everyone that this investigation only started after Michael Cohen, the former lawyer, his former lawyer, testified before Congress and shed light on this misconduct. All right. Uh, so that he did the homework for you. Hey, this is Andrew McCarthy, who is... Often right, not always. Former uh, uh, federal prosecutor, one of the better ones. But he's not perfect, but let's see. He does not believe that she is effective at all, and she, he thinks this is a bad case. Go all the way down, excuse me, to cut 16. The professional prosecutors looked at this for years and decided not to bring it. The thought that Letitia James found something that the Southern District of New York didn't and that Alvin Bragg and Cy Vance before him with two trips up and down to the Supreme Court uh, to get Trump's financial records. The thought that the professional prosecutors didn't find something criminal here, but she did, yeah. uh, I think is highly unlikely. Yeah, highly unlikely because no one's impressed with her in the legal community, the law enforcement community. Um, you know, it's all it's all a great big virtue signal. A little bit more from Andy McCarthy, cut 17. In New York, all of these prosecutor jobs and state attorney jobs are political. Mm. And when you get that kind of a, a, a seeping in of people's political interests into the legal system, I think it makes for a very unattractive legal system. Yeah, unattractive legal system. Unattractive? I don't think anybody ever said it was attractive. It is unattractive. And then, um, gosh, what is up with her talking the way she speaks like she's as Maya Angelou. Does she want to be poet laureate or does she want to be Rudy Giuliani? Cut 41. Why should this be any different? It is a tale of two justice systems, one for everyday working people and one for the elite, the rich and the powerful. And there cannot be different rules for different people in this country or in this state. And former presidents are no different. No different. No different. 
Of course, former presidents are different. You're unfair to them. (laughs) You say you're going to go after them, and then you follow through. Uh, Listen to this matchup. This is Letitia James throughout her career, throughout the past four years, her campaign for attorney general as a candidate. And listen to her try to sound like Mother Teresa. All right? Cut 35. Will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the He's going to know my name personally. I am announcing that today we are filing a lawsuit against Donald Trump for violating the law as part of his efforts to generate profits for himself, his family, and his company. And he has colluded and that he's been violating the emoluments clause and that basically all that he stands for is in violation of our values and who we are as a people and as a society. This investigation revealed that Donald Trump engaged in years of illegal conduct to inflate his net worth to achieve, to deceive banks and the people of the great state of New York. Running for attorney general because I will never be afraid to challenge this illegitimate president when our fundamental rights are at stake. There cannot be different rules for different people in this country or in this state. And former presidents are no different. And so today we are making good on that promise on our commitment, because no one, no one is above the law. Oh, wow, Letitia, you just nailed it, didn't you? You just nailed it. Wow. Um, You're an embarrassment, Uh, a total embarrassment to yourself, to New York State, to your staff, to your staff. I already broke it down last night in brilliant fashion how her valuations of buildings are right out of... uh, Sixth grade. Literally a sixth grader knows more about real estate than Letitia James. Now, remember also, she went after um, Cuomo, and she did the same bit, you know? She's standing up for women and regular people. Let's see here. Cut 42. Governor Cuomo sexually harassed current and former state employees in violation of both federal and state laws. The Independence investigation found that Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women, many of whom were young women, by engaging in unwanted groping, kisses, hugging, and by making inappropriate comments. (gasps) Inappropriate comments, hugging, kissing. We've seen the video. I've showed you. Hey, I annoyed a lot of you by sticking up for Andrew Cuomo because <laughs> I've seen all the evidence and he didn't do anything wrong. All right. Sorry. You don't get you don't you don't drive somebody from office for that kind of stuff. No, unless something else is up. I don't know. Orders from the White House. Who knows? But, hey, I'll say this about Andrew Cuomo. Also, now, don't be such a baby now. I hear he's uh, complaining to Cindy Adams. I don't have any friends. Joe Biden didn't even call me. Well, you should have looked a little bit closer. There are people, genuine people, real people, who stuck their neck out for you, actually publicly supported. You would not believe where you would find them. Me, Greg Kelly, yes, I did. At considerable risk and hassle, by the way. All right? Everybody was giving me a hard time. Why are you sticking up for Cuomo? My base. Everybody coming at, well, didn't he do something back? Didn't he have a thing? Yeah, I know that comes up when I talk about this crap. I know, but I still did it for Cuomo. You know who else took up for him? John Katsimatidis, the owner of this radio station. Great man, great businessman. You know who else took up for you, Andrew Cuomo? Rudy Giuliani. 
Rudy Giuliani, your political enemy. But you know what? He's a human being and he's got a sense of fairness. And he knows you're a human being, too. And we both knew that you were being screwed with. And next time you go crying to the newspaper, I don't have any friends. You just remember who was there for you. Interesting. Very interesting. All right, back to Tish James. We got a real opportunity here. She's obviously an imbecile. Uh, well, not much of an opportunity because we've got a nobody wa- running for attorney general. What's his name again? Henry? Oh, Henry? Michael Henry? According to the University of Virginia, they say that this case, there are a lot of uh, seats in play, a lot of attorney general jobs that are, what do they call them? What's the, uh, what's the plural of attorney general? It's attorneys general, which is very awkward. Nobody likes to say that. Attorneys general. I'm just going to stick with attorney generals. Anyway, according to the University of Virginia, they're, um, what do they call that? Their Jefferson Center. They're, uh, uh, I don't know. They got some center. It's pretty good. James, who has gained a national profile for her office's investigations into Trump's business dealings, was considering a run for governor in the wake of Andrew Cuomo's scandal-driven resignation. Oh, yeah, that's right, actually. Can we... <laughs> Two weeks after going off on Andrew Cuomo, he resigns, and she runs for governor. Cut 43. Today, I am announcing my campaign to be your next governor. <laughs> Well, that lasted for about uh, six hours. It just, there's absolutely no way. And she had, no, no, you're not running for governor. You can't do it. You can't do it. So uh, that was that. All right. So we have an opportunity here, except to beat somebody, you got to have somebody. And we have a nobody running for attorney general. His name is Michael Henry. And according to the University of Virginia, uh, let's see here, Michael Henry, who is both the Republican and conservative ballot lines does not pose a serious challenge to James. And I don't think he really seriously respects the electorate. If his website is any indication of that, how can you run for attorney general and not have any zero law enforcement experience and at least tell us, okay, you're an attorney. What law school did you go to? I mean, that's kind of relevant. And I don't care if it was Nassau Community College or Harvard. Let us know. It's a little bit of a basic. Right? Right. And stop whining on Twitter that you haven't gotten verified. How about getting out there, running your ass off, working hard for it? We have too many lazy people out there. Just too many lazy people who are always, especially politics. Oh, boy. Politics is where the mediocre the mediocre, you can be super, you can be anybody. Look at Eric Adams. He went from total nobody to, well, he's still a nobody, but he's the mayor. He's the mayor. All right. Uh, one other thing on this thing with Letitia James. Can we run that bite where she says how complicated it would be to turn Mar-a-Lago into a commercial property? Where is that? Uh, a block from yesterday, B block. Okay, Mar-a-Lago. Shoot, where is this stuff? You got it for me? Ah, uh, yeah, cut 37, cut 37. Mr. Trump also blatantly ignored legal restrictions at Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago was valued on the false premise that it sat on unrestricted property and could be developed for residential use. However, Mr. Trump knew that Mar-a-Lago was subject to a host of onerous restrictions and limitations. Mr. Trump himself signed deeds sharply restricting changes to the property and donating his residential development rights in an effort to get a tax deduction and later to lower his property taxes on the property. 
The deeds also require Mr. Trump to donate over 23% of Mar-a-Lago's value to the Historic Trust for Historic Preservation if he ever sold it. Uh, all right. Did you get all that? Let's bring in an expert, Carmine from Long Island. He works in this real estate title stuff. Carmine, you heard all that? Greg, I heard it. Carmine, let me ask you something. Can you uh, amend a deed? Isn't anything negotiable? You know, I mean, like, do you hear anything there that makes sense to you? Is Should the attorney general of New York State be be going through all that junk? Is it anyway? What did you make of that? I I can't comment because uh, I'm not that learned, Greg. But she's frightening. That's wait a second. Wait a say. wait a second. You're not that learned. I thought you I'm did not, this stuff for a lear- with for a living with the titles and whatnot. That's not what she's referring to. What about she's the de- about- the deed? The deed. Haven't you ever de- dealt with deeds? Of course, I do. And every can't day. you amend those deeds? We're talking about a, a deed between a seller and a buyer. That's a different. That's totally different. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I, I am so. I can't believe you're really. No, I'm only kidding. All right. So, all right. That's not your. That's not what you do day in and day out. I'll just fill in the blanks. Anything's negotiable. They've made a well, not a federal case, but a but a state case out of this, and it's ludicrous. You know it, Carmine. You know it. All right. So, what do you want to say? Because I got to go. Biden. Huh? I made you miss Biden. You were on the phone with me. That's when true. That's came, true. It was, so it's sorry. your fault. Your fault. No, don't worry about it, Carmine. I'll be right back. Bye. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, you know how they're trying to make um, Ron DeSantis and Governor Abbott seem like human traffickers? How dare they send these migrants to uh, other parts of America. It's their problem. It's a red state problem. Well, guess what? Blue state governors, blue state mayors have been doing the same thing for a long time. Take a look at this. In the New York Times, all the way back in 2019, homeless residents get one-way ticket out of town. Many return to the streets as cities offer transportation passes to get homeless people to a more stable destination. Some worry whether they are sending people to insecurity in a new place. Uh, Let's see here. The solution is cheap and simple. As cities see their homeless populations grow, many are buying one-way bus tickets to send people to a more promising destination where family or friends can help get them back on their feet. San Francisco's Homeward Bound program started more than a decade ago when Governor Gavin Newsom of California was the city's mayor, transports hundreds of people a year, smaller cities around the country, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Medford, Oregon, among them have recently committed funding to the idea. And in Seattle this past week, a member of the King County Council proposed a major investment into the region's busing efforts fearing that the city was on the receiving end of homeless busing programs from too many other cities. Uh, But do these transport programs actually help people find stable housing? For many of those offered a bus ticket, they do not. So it's a very polite kind of analysis of the program. No one's calling Gavin Newsom a human trafficker. Let's see. Let's go to the San Francisco part. In San Francisco, City officials checking on people in the month after busing them out of town found that while many had found a place to live, many others were unreachable, missing in jail or had already returned to homelessness. Within a year, the city found that one out of every eight bus ticket recipients 
had returned and sought services in San Francisco once again. One and eight. Uh, but the interesting thing is they were doing it. These guys are not human traffickers. Busing programs have been a staple response to homelessness for years. A staple response. Some cities seem to use them as a way to export their troubles. The newer programs are designed to provide homeless people a critical path to stability by linking them with familiar support systems. But cities may need to do a better job of screening what is realistically waiting at a new destination and to hand travelers off to a services to services near their new homes. Now, isn't that interesting? What a little item there, huh? No one's saying there's any human trafficking going on. Nothing, nothing like that whatsoever. But Gavin Newsom did it. What is Gavin Newsom? Well, he's a Democrat. He's skinny. He's tall. And he's got a, he used to say he's got a great head of hair. I don't know about that anymore. It's all slicked back and whatever. Some people find him attractive. I think he's a dork. A dweeb. I don't like the word dork. What is he? I got to come up with a better pejorative. But we don't like Gavin Newsom. All right. And undoubtedly, he is running for president. Can you believe that? Have you seen what a zoo, what a total catastrophe California is? And they like it. The more of that stuff there is somehow, the woker. Ooh, there is an amazing video uh, out of California that I'm going to show tonight. You may have seen these before, but I've never seen one quite this long of all those electric cars, you know, um, Teslas and whatnot. And they're all lined up for about a mile to get charged, to get charged up. I thought that they got charged up in the garage. You know, you just plug them in at night. I, I don't know. I, I don't want an electric car. Every time I, I know a few people with electric cars, they just seem weird to me inside. Like, where's the speedometer? It's on the iPad. I don't like that. I want to look straight ahead and see the speedometer. All right. I want to hit the gas. I want to hear the engine. I don't trust the electric car entirely. Right. And I Tell you what, I can't wait for the driverless car. We are still driving in an old-fashioned way. We should have updated a long time ago, um, but it, we're not ready yet. Apparently, there's a button you can press, and the, the car will stay in the lane for you. That would be nerve-wracking because you're either do it all the way, you know, take me to, uh, take me to Jones Beach, car, and then I want to go to sleep. But if I have to, like, you know, grab the wheel every now and then, I don't like that. And I don't think they like it either. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good at all. Hey, how's Dr. Roz doing? Dr. Roz, he's doing great. The answer is he's doing great. Running for Senate there in Pennsylvania. You know who's doing crummy is his opponent, Fetterman. Now, there's something on uh, Fetterman's arm. He's one of these guys all tatted up. It's really interesting with tattoos. I understand you're young, you make a mistake or whatever, but... I think I think they're pretty much stupid. Occasionally they're kind of interesting. Occasionally. But generally speaking I think they're dumb. Especially when you're a a big goon like Fetterman and you get on your arm, I'm going to hurt you. That's what it says on his arm. I'm going to hurt you. Now he realizes that's not the best message to have on your arm, so he blacked it out. And I think it now says I'm going to serve you. <laughs> just but but back in the was he a gangbanger or something like that i'm gonna hurt you that sounds like an ms-13 thing getting a tattoo is an effort free way to kind of try to show you're special Ooh, look at me i'm not gonna do any work i'm not gonna really overextend myself but i can hang around this tattoo parlor for three hours and 
Ooh, look at me. I'm special. I'm an individual. I think that's a bad news. Oh, you want you want individual achievement? Does this sound boastful? I have a book. Uh, I just finished a book. It's called uh, Justice for All, Why the Woke Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Published by the good people at Simon & Schuster, one of the finest publishers in all the world. And uh, we put this book together, and uh, I love it. I believe in it. It's available for pre-order right now wherever books are sold. Uh, where are books sold? Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Do we still have BN.com? Can you uh, order from BN.com? Amazon, um, and you can also go. Well, the, the book itself will not be available until January. It comes out in January. But the people who sell books know that it's the good thing to do. Oh, one little small frustration. As I put this message out about the, the book, you know who wants free books? Friends and family. They're like, when do I, when will you send me my book? Uh, buy one. I just how do I how do I say that to friends and family that I that the book is not free? Okay, I want them. Please, and I would so I would so appreciate it. By the way, so appreciate. We can move the needle on the conversation about police. They need our support. Okay, I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Joe Biden, uh, his original sin, the original sin of his whole presidency, really. I'm going to forget about everything else he did in his uh, corrupt life. and Just focus on that one announcement. When he announced for president, he made that video because he could not handle giving a traditional speech. Uh, I made a video, and he said it was all because of Charlottesville, what happened in Charlottesville. And that young woman lost her life. Remember Heather Heyer? Heather Heyer was her name, and she was run over by that alleged white supremacist. Allegedly run over, because I don't think he's been convicted yet. And that was a horrible, horrible event, no doubt about it. Now, the event, the broader event, has been totally mischaracterized. Uh, They always tell you Antifa wasn't there, or they don't mention Antifa. They don't mention the people who are not white supremacists who were there uh, protesting uh, for the preservation of the Robert E. Lee um, monument and what else. They never mention, they lie, actually, that Donald Trump— explicitly condemned the uh, whatever skinheads, white supremacists, neo-Nazis. He condemned them totally, all right? Um, But there were other people there, good people on both sides. And I've said before, I'll say it right, there were good people on both sides, good people. You can be a good person absolutely in America these days and be totally opposed to those those monuments uh, commemorating the Civil War. I understand that. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I totally understand it. And it is your absolute constitutional right and might even be your duty to go out there and, you know, say these things should be taken down. Don't break the law, but these things you think should be taken down. I respect that. You can also be a very good person and say that this is part of our history. It may not be ideal. No history is. It's not perfect, but it should be uh, preserved. We have to keep it. We have to if we erase history, we will repeat it. Right. I think you can be a very good person and believe that. However, if you are a white supremacist, you are probably a pretty uh, bad dude. And if you are an Antifa person, you are a pretty bad dude. Right. All right. So uh, Joe Biden says all this stuff. I uh, I ran because of Charlottesville and what Trump said and that young woman who died. Uh, a young man died in North Dakota. He was run over. Because he's a uh, a Republican, <laughs> a re- Republican. He was run over and killed 
run over and kill. Listen to this. A North Dakota man who admitted to running over and killing a teenager says he did it because he thought the teen was part of a Republican extremist group that was out to get him, according to court documents. Shannon Joseph Brandt, 41, was charged with one felony count of vehicular manslaughter and one count of leaving the scene of an accident in the death of 18-year-old Kaylor Ellingson on September 18th. He was also charged with driving under the influence after he tested above the legal limit for alcohol. Uh, According to a probable cause affidavit, Brandt told investigators he and the younger man had a verbal altercation about politics at a local street dance. Brandt indicated that the pedestrian called some people and Brandt feared they would come for him. Brandt admitted to state radio that he punched the pedestrian and that the pedestrian was part of a Republican extremist group. After Brandt allegedly ran down Ellingson, he left the scene and went home, but told police he later returned and called 911, telling the dispatcher he struck the pedestrian because the pedestrian was threatening him. He then left again before. This is his side of the story. He's not contesting that he ran down this guy in his car. He was threatening him from the car. What, giving him the middle finger? You run over the guy? Interesting that this story is barely coming to light now. It happened days ago. Days ago. Heather Heyer's mother, right? Heather Heyer, the poor woman who died at Charlottesville, the mother was with Joe Biden last week on stage at the White House. Now, that's something, isn't it? More to come on that tonight. All right, let's see. What do we got? Uh, Viviana in Brooklyn. Hello. Hello there, Greg. Hi. I want to um, I want to tell you uh, congratulations on your book. Thank you. And that I really enjoyed the the blessing that you got out of your little girl going to school and the pride and all of that. Thank you. Um, I wanted to share with you that I attended a gala at Gargiulo's in Brooklyn on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I met Michael Henry. Hmm. And I saw him as a newcomer that deserves a, a very serious look. He is two points above Letitia James. Letitia James is so fearful of him that the, she does not even want to debate him, just like Hochul. few things that he told the people in the room, we were all Republicans. Uh, he said, I'm going to go after Letitia James because of the fact that she isn't prosecuting uh, Hochul for her husband's um, contract to own the concessions in the new stadium, that he is going to be investigating these um, the uh, testing kits. All right. Look, that's intriguing. That's intriguing. I'm glad you had a good experience. I'm glad that he made a favorable impression. My beef with him is he has not been working aggressively enough. I mean, I'm looking at his social media game right here. He tweets like uh, he (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. He he tweets like the Salvation Army. I mean, you got to you got to up the game here. All right. He's just, you know, and that's a big part of the game. Social media. All right. He's not running like he wants it. And I found his resume to be uh, surprisingly sparse. Good luck to him. I would love to see Letitia James out, even with his uh, nondescript background. You know, very unimpressive. Doesn't seem to be working very hard. I, uh, I don't. Uh, I would love it if he could somehow pull it off. But right now, totally not impressed. Totally, totally, totally not impressed. There is a. Uh, there's an opportunity here, and he doesn't seem to be taking it. In my opinion. Anyway, anything else going on, Viviana? 
Well, um, I uh, have found out that um, El Diario and, uh, let's see, Univision and uh, Telemundo will not allow any um, commercials to be run for Zeldin and for Esposito. They want to make sure that only the Latinos only get information on uh, Hoco. Is that right? And I'm working hard, yes. I, I have been asked, this is full disclosure, I've been asked by the campaign to assist them with the Hispanic outreach. And the campaign has asked them for uh, even to buy commercial time, but they said absolutely not. And I think it's time for this um, domination of uh, only one side of information to go to Latinos. It's disrespectful, and we are going to challenge Univision, Telemundo, and El Diario and ask them, why is it that you will not allow equal access to the other candidates? You're damn right. It sounds good to me. And, oh, by the way, Hochul, she's restricted the debate. I guess she's agreed to one debate on October 25th on New York One. Now, talk about unfair. Talk about totally, what is that? That's classist. There are plenty of people who don't have cable TV. You know, you got to have cable to watch New York One. Plenty of people don't have New York no, cable, especially millennials. They're all, you know what they've done? They've wired up antennas. You can't have a debate on New York One. You got to go to Channel 11, Channel 7, Channel 2. You got to have a debate, a real debate. Kathy Hochul is a scared woman, a scared, frightened, vapid, corrupt woman. And we must help Lee Zeldin every step of the way. Our physical safety, our property, everything, our lives depend on it. Kathy Hochul does not have the strength, does not have the knowledge, will never stand up to the woke mob. She's a scared little frady pussycat uh, hiding behind a couch, hoping that time just goes past and that the Democrats, out of muscular memory, vote for her. She is so unbelievably bad. At first, I just, I, I figured it was not going to be hard, but I forgot, I forgot how much the deck, how much the whole damn thing is rigged against Republicans. I forgot about that. We haven't done it since 1994. Hey, Viviana, I didn't know that you were such a political operative. What's going on? How'd you get involved in all that? Um, I- Uh-oh, you broke up. Anyway, keep in touch, Viviana. Thank you very much. Uh, that is something else, huh? I mean, these guys have it tough. They have it tough. They really do. These are, All right. And, hey, look, Michael Henry, if you can do it, dad, look, you'd be better than Letitia James. But I don't know. Look, it seems to me like you've been mailing it in, all right? Uh, social media, case in point, social, social media. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. You know, has anybody, you got you know, you got to study Trump. Trump knew how to do this. Not everybody can be Trump, but come on. Um, who else do we want to root for in this election? Well, we got a room for Dr. Oz. We got a root for Herschel Walker. We got a root for uh, J.D. Vance. Um, I keep hearing from Fox News a couple of things. The Democrats could win it. And also, drink your faces off. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. Huh? Remember the, <laughs> this morning on Fox and Friends. All right. You know, everybody's had orange juice already. So now... We are at the Villages. Here you go, buddy. Oh, thank you very much. That's right. I was hoping for a cash tip, but thank you very much. It's the Marine Corps. I will wear that proudly. All right, who's ready? It's 8 o'clock. Ainsley and Brian, I have ID 
they're over 18. And of course, right. as I have heard at the villages, every you know every hour is happy hour here. So, ladies, here you, thank you go. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very, much. very much. How about everybody hold up your your beers? Oh, this guy over here. How about? Uh, <laughs> And by the way, I know you're counting calories. This is ultra. <laughs> there you go. Uh, How about a salute to Avery? All right. and it's, it's, it seems fun, but it's not. A drinking at 8 in the morning anywhere on television is wrong. It's just wrong. It's bad, especially for a country like ours that's doing opioids and popping pills and, you know, just smoking weed all over the place. Did I tell you I was running this morning? I passed a whole group of construction workers who were smoking big old blunts, getting high, high in the, before the workday, come on. This is not the behavior of a superpower. We are a superpower, right? I don't know. It doesn't feel that way lately, does it? It doesn't feel that way. feels like we are uh, weak, weak, and getting weaker. I don't like it. Make America great again. Hey, let's just survive, huh? We got to survive. There are patriots stepping up, and one of them is this doctor. I don't know who she is. I don't know where she came from, but she's not afraid to go in front of a little camera. Anybody can take out their phone. So many people are afraid to speak the truth. This is a medical doctor. I think she's a lesbian. She goes up to say something about puberty blockers. And Why do I mention that she's a lesbian? Well, there are a lot of people who are LGBTQ who don't like this sexuality being thrust upon children. All right. Children obviously should not be taking hormones to undergo uh, identity transition or whatever. It's a ridiculous, sick conversation that's taken place. And there are some great people. And I think Gays Against Groomers, I met the founder. I think her name is Jamie from Wisconsin. Very nice lady. And she said, look, being lesbian for me is like it's like having brown hair. It's not a big deal. It doesn't it doesn't impact every aspect of my life. And I think not everybody understands that, especially when you have people running around saying the LGBTQ community. I mean, can you imagine somebody else, somebody running around calling themselves the, the, from the straight man community, the straight man community, the straight white man community? Give me a break. It's stupid. It's ludicrous. I mean, it's funny. It's laugh out loud funny. What was that on the Little Rascals? The He-Man Woman Haters Club. Anyway, uh, this, is, uh, this is a little bit of what gays against groomers do cut 44 this is a doctor listen to what she says i feel a responsibility as a physician to be honest about puberty blockers and hormonal therapy in teenagers this can lead to infertility and i don't know if that's really well known um that means that you would never be able to have your own children it really is important to go through puberty at your normal sex as your normal sex and at your normal rate and not arrest that process. Um, give your body time to complete the process before you start changing things that could have long-term um, implications. Isn't that, isn't that great? What a breath of fresh air, huh? Wow. Now, does that sound controversial? Should that be controversial? Should that get her in trouble? Should that get the platform Gays Against Groomers deplatformed? Well, it has. You know, Gays Against Groomers. Really, what can be wrong with that? They're against grooming. What is grooming? That is the preparation, the indoctrination of children to uh, make them, I guess, more amenable to their corrupt activities. Grooming. It's a bad thing. Gays Against Groomers, that's a good thing. But 
any social media platform, you know, that wants to make a difference has at some point should be able to raise money, uh, spend money, trans uh, financial transactions through their app. Well, they've been deplatformed by Venmo and PayPal. Venmo and PayPal will not let them do what they do. Why? Why won't they let them? Because the content, the content that you just heard is violates their terms, makes them uncomfortable. Google has given them a hard time. Apparently, you go to Google, they've lowered, they have essentially kicked them off the Google search. Is that, can you do that? I guess you can. Google is giving them a hard time. Why? Because they come out and they say things like that. They po- it just, they are great people. And they're making a difference, and that's why they're being fought. But you know what? You can try. You can try big tech. You can try all you want. You will not win. You will not win. You'll never win. may look pretty good right now. Three guys and billions and billions, even trillions of dollars. But we've got us, and we've got the truth. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, I'm back. I'm getting phone calls at inopportune times from people who know I'm at WABC Radio. I'm doing something else. I'm doing something else. Uh, what is in one of those things I'm doing right now? What the hell happened? My name is blowing up all over Twitter. What happened now? It's kind of amusing. It's kind of interesting when your name blows up on Twitter and it's like no big deal. It's like, uh, ooh, it's raining. You know, th- that's kind of, let's see here. Uh, Trump attorney Alina Haba tore apart the legal arguments in New York Attorney General Letitia James' politically motivated lawsuit. Uh, I, she was on my show last night. Um, and what about the thing that I did? Uh, I showed all the properties that sold for more than uh, $200 million. She said 40 Wall Street was worth $200 million in 2011, according to uh, some appraiser. Trump valued it at $525 million. I lived in the neighborhood. I know 40 Wall Street. I know it's an iconic building. I know it's massive. It was one of the tallest buildings in New York at one point. Still might be in the top 15 or 20. And... Uh, that that building is no way, no way was that building, even 11 years ago, worth just $200 million. And I found what they call a bunch of comps, and I looked it up. And in 2011, uh, 230 Park Avenue sold for, I think, 700-something million. Uh, a big building on Madison Avenue sold for $575 million. Um, keep in mind, there are other buildings, uh, again, comparable size, that sold for billions of dollars. Uh, 666 Fifth Avenue. Remember the restaurant Top of the Sixes? Now it's the Havana Cuba Bar or something like that, the club, the the Havana Room, a cigar bar. I don't like cigars, by the way. Those guys who are like the whole cigar thing, I don't know how to do it. I don't know. You know, it doesn't stay illuminated, uh, lit for me. I got to like – I I don't know how to smoke cigars, and I don't want to smoke cigars. Uh, It's kind of like I just – I I don't know how to do it. No one – it's always going out. How do you keep that thing going? The flame does not work for me. Anyway, 666 uh, Fifth Avenue sold for $1.7 billion in 2007. They probably overpaid. 
the boob, the Google building takes up an entire city block, 2.7 million square feet. That's sold for, I think, uh, just under $3 billion, um, which kind of makes sense. Uh, about a third, two-thirds less size for 40 Wall Street. Yeah, <laughs> $525 million is a totally fair valuation, completely fair. Spot on, I might say. Um, hey, does Nikki Haley really think she can be president? Nikki Haley? Is this, is this serious? I keep hearing about it. Uh, I have no idea what the hell she did as governor of South Carolina. Was she really all that? Was she that great? Let me hear cut 52, please. Cut 52. He came out strongly for, you know, against Russia. He called them out for the comments that they're saying. He called them out for the actions they've taken against Ukraine. Um, It was strong words. Now he's got to follow with strong actions. Get with NATO. Make sure that you're sending anti-drone equipment. Make sure you're getting the equipment. We don't need to send blank checks to Ukraine. You need to make Mm. sure they have the ability to defend themselves. What he didn't do, which I wish he would have gone further, is call out the countries that are helping Russia. Call out the fact that China's helping. Call out the fact that Iran's sending drones. Call out North Korea for doing rockets. He could have made that a bigger isolation um, if he would have called those countries out. All right, Nikki Haley. I don't see presidential. I don't I don't get a presidential vibe from Nikki Haley. Uh, not at all. Nice lady, but uh, no, she can't be president. And not only that, she dissed Trump in her book. Uh, that wasn't good. The other thing, though, uh, who is that crazy lady on The View? I have a pretty much of a policy. I never talk about The View on my Newsmax show. Although, believe it or not, I've told you before, I do kind of like Whoopi. I do. I do. She's a liberal. She owns it. She's all that. You know, we don't have anything in common politically. But I have a soft spot in my heart for anybody who was a fan of The Godfather. And she was there at Radio City Music Hall on this beautiful day back in 2017 when they showed part one and part two of The Godfather back to back. It was awesome. It was one of the coolest things I ever, ever did participate in. And she was there. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a lot. That's a hell. That's like seven hours of movie. And then at the end of it, uh, the uh, a good chunk of the cast was there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Pacino was there. Uh, oh, Jimmy Conn. James Conn was there. I forgot about that. He was there. Who else? Was Robert Duvall there? Somehow I don't remember. Yeah, uh, I don't remember him. And the one who played Kay, she was there. You know who wasn't there? Gianni Russo. Apparently they didn't like him, which is too bad. All right, listen, I do have to go. Uh, ooh, Adam in Belmore, you've been on hold for a long time. What's up? Hi, Greg. Thanks for taking my call, and uh, congratulations on all your success. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, Curtis Slewo had mentioned on his show earlier that millions of dollars of New York taxes were used to make gel sanitizer during the pandemic, and Governor uh, Cuomo promoted the sanitizer, and now it's just sitting in a warehouse someplace, never got you know, never, no, never got sold or given out. Is this the stuff that they made in the prisons? I, I don't know, but all I know is that this is what Curtis Slear was talking about. And all right. Well, I don't know anything about it. I, don't, I honestly don't know anything about it. It's like millions of dollars of tax. I know. Dollars. I'm sure. I mean, it's Democrats. What do you want to do? They waste money. That's what they do. They blow it all the time. I don't know anything about the hand sanitizer, though. I do remember that stunt where they had the prisoners make it, and I think they made it not to specifications. So I don't know. 
Well, this is what you get with the Democrats, waste, fraud, and abuse. Uh, my father's three favorite words in describing <laughs> politicians, especially Democrats. Well, don't forget all the woke garbage as well, right? Plenty of woke stuff. Uh, I, Benjamin, I don't have time. Benjamin, you guys call me tomorrow. Sandra, Dennis, Dan, Allen. I got to go across the street. The Newsmax show tonight should be awesome. The Greg Kelly book. Uh, Justice for All, How the Woke Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, comes out in January. Published by Simon & Schuster. You can pre-order now wherever books are sold. Many thanks.